Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Hundreds of thousands of Russians have fled their homeland since Vladimir Putin announced a military mobilization. But several countries neighboring Russia have announced that they'll not accept any Russian asylum seekers fleeing the draft. Uh, And that becomes a really interesting conversation and a crucial question in terms of what happens and what comes next, both for Ukraine and for Russia. Fiona Harrigan is, of course, the assistant editor at Reason, and she primarily covers immigration and foreign policy and is someone we love to have on this program. And I know you've been following this uh, closely, Fiona. Uh, What is happening and where are the countries that are turning them away? What's the reasoning and what's the impact? Right. So um, kind of the background of this is that just last week, uh, President Vladimir Putin of Russia, he announced essentially that he was bringing hundreds of thousands of civilians into military service. And that comes as a lot of his uh, military engagements in Ukraine during the invasion are faltering, right? This war is dragged on very long and he needs more manpower effectively. Um, so it's, it's really spurred a lot of Russians to look for ways out or ways to avoid military service. On one hand, uh, searches for how to break your arm at home uh, surged because a lot of people want to injure themselves to avoid being conscripted. Uh, but also flights have completely sold out and there are long lines at every border checkpoint essentially these days. So a lot of Russians are just trying to flee this very grave situation. Um, But a lot of Russia's neighbors are saying, essentially, we don't want you to stay in your country. Uh, And that includes countries like Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, and Poland, but also uh, some like Finland and even as far away as the Czech Republic. So uh, there's this uh, fairly large front of countries now that are rejecting Russians. um, And it's, it's bringing up a lot of serious questions about collective responsibility, about what the best way to counter Putin is and how much these civilians should essentially be barred from the rest of Europe. Yeah, I think that's so uh, interesting. I know there was uh, one foreign minister, I can't remember if it was Estonia or or Latvia, uh, who said, uh, we want you to stay in Russia and fight Vladimir Putin, uh, was kind of their justification for saying, hey, you need to stay there and and fix your own country, uh, which was really interesting. You've also got other places like Germany and France uh, who are saying, hey, this might create that brain drain uh, and further impact not just the military forces, but could also impact uh, other essential areas and businesses in Russia. Right. So there are a couple of things to, to note on those fronts, right? The first is that Forcing these people to stay in Russia, uh, you know, as as they do protest, and, and thousands of Russians are protesting the regime, uh, they're being met with really ever harsher resistance from the Putin regime. Uh, so very recently, he signed a series of laws that are going to uh, give 10-year prison sentences to people who desert or resist the military service that they're now being uh, forced to complete. So that's a really notable part, and it's also just part of this kind of hostile information environment and all of these regulations that restrict how people can speak about the war. But on the other hand, uh, Germany and France are really good examples, and officials in those countries make the point that, um, right, it's a great policy to essentially rob Putin of his human resources. And without those resources, it's, it's hard to see how the country can keep this war going. Uh, so it's a really important way to counter aggression um, without necessarily getting involved in the aggression themselves. Yeah, and I know one of the other things that we've been trying to monitor closely is some of the other saber rattling from Vladimir Putin was his own 
possibility of closing those borders, uh, not allowing uh, Russians to actually leave the country. Uh, any dynamics or anything you're hearing on that front and how that might impact uh, the dynamics of, of all of these border countries? Nothing that I've really heard in particular. Obviously, there are all sorts of authoritarian crackdowns, so there's really no telling what he'll do to keep his population in line. Um, And, you know, by combination of these limitations on expression and speech and then outside requirements, say these neighboring countries that won't accept anybody, and also the combination of, uh, you know, not too many airlines fly into Russia anymore as a result of sanctions. So really the opportunities for people either to speak out against the war in a meaningful way or to kind of vote with their feet by leaving are narrowing by the day. Yeah, and are you hearing anything else um, from other European nations or even from organizations uh, like the UN in terms of refugees? If uh, you know these were to go into maybe some of these countries who don't necessarily want them there, but uh, could they go there and then be moved uh, as a refugee into other countries? Nothing really has come out just yet. I think this is really the first major push of Russians leaving the country. Obviously, life was very uncomfortable. Um, for them, uh, you know, and, and the merits of that you can debate, but, you know, life was made to be very, very different as a result of sanctions, yeah. Western chains pulling out, financial requirements and restrictions and so on. Um, but this is really a, a very existential threat to a lot of ordinary Russians, and I think it raises really important questions of collective responsibility. And a lot of European countries have said that sanctions should be pointed to target the people who are responsible for the brutality and for the invasion. And it's hard to see why you would want to restrict a dissident from getting out, for example, instead trapping them where they're going to be punished severely. Uh, I think that's so important. That collective responsibility is uh, is part of that uh, ultimate debate that I think we have to have. Uh, as always, uh, Fiona, we appreciate your perspective on this and the way you approach uh, these really crucial matters, especially as it comes to asylum, to refugees, uh, and right now Russians uh, who are trying to flee their country uh, as they try to escape uh, Putin's war. Uh, it is his. It is a war of, of one. Uh, he's functioning with an inner circle of one. Uh, and it's impacting uh, hundreds of thousands of Russians who are now facing being conscripted uh, into that uh, into that fight as well. Fiona, thanks for joining us today, as always. Thank you for having me. All right, again, that's Fiona Harrigan, assistant editor at Reason. Uh, she primarily covers immigration, foreign policy, and she always has such great perspective. And I think this is an important one. This is a complicated conversation uh, that you're seeing in in many of these Eastern European countries whether you know they should allow everyone to come in from Russia who's trying to flee, not to be drafted and put into that uh, military fight uh, that Russia is waging against re- Ukraine. Uh, do you give them asylum? Do you give them some special status? Do they need to move on to other countries? Uh, and this is another area. I always remember this is about dividing. And if you divide Europe in terms of how that happens, that's an advantage for Vladimir Putin. Uh, his is a war of division first. Uh, and so this is when we have to make sure we check out and understand uh, so that we can have a solution that actually lasts. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. More inside sources coming up next on KSL News Radio.